testing. Let's say amen again. Such poignant words, words that, that each of us should utter. Thank you, choir, for that music. Can you hear me? We'll see. <laughs> Wanted to make sure you could hear me okay. I want to thank Pastor O'Neill Madden for the gracious introduction and for the invitation to be here this special weekend. I'm looking forward to this evening very much and just honored to be here and to be able to share in the experience. So thank you, Pastor for that and I thank you and Dr. White for serving on the executive committee you put a lot of hard work and effort into that and sometimes it goes unappreciated but thank you Dr. White Pastor Madden for that I also want to acknowledge uh, three people from this church that helped us tremendously at summer camp. Angela Rawls, uh, thank you, I love you. You're a great human being and man, you've helped us tremendously. I got phone calls from my man Kobe who wanted to volunteer and be a part of it. And he served as a junior counselor and he was my right hand man. Yeah, Kobe, I appreciate you, man. You, you are right with me. And Maya, I, I don't even have words to describe the impact that Maya had on our, our camp. She is, She is, I, I, I don't see that well, it took me a while to read it. <laughs> Maya, you, 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 for your age, you, I, 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 you have a way of getting people to do things that you want them to do. And, and do it with a smile most of the time. And you have great ideas. And it was just remarkable watching you and action at camp and watching you grow. So, I don't know where you are, Maya. Oh, you're right in front of me. Of course, you can't see anything right in front of you. you like, I'm looking over here, trying to be all cool and everything. Like, where is she, where is she? Trying to stretch it out, but you're right there. <laughs> Thanks, Maya, I appreciate you. Greatly, I really, really do. Uh, Karen Peterson, you are a remarkable woman. I appreciate you. I appreciate the tenacity that you have. And you, you know what you want and you're persistent with it. And I love that about you because it shows you care about the kids that you're working with. And that is so appreciated. Thank you for all of that. Thank you. And uh, I got 
three more things I want to say, then I'm going to preach and sit down. As the pastor mentioned, we have a couple of events coming up. Angela Correa is, can you just stand for a second, Angela? I am embarrassing you, putting you on the spot. It's okay. I actually saw you when I saw Maya, so I, I knew I could do that. Uh, she is going to uh, be the, for this area, the coordinator for Singles Ministries. She's helping me out tremendously in that area and promoting what we have, and I just wanted everyone to see her. Thank you, Angela, for your willingness to do that. And thank you, Faith, your lovely daughter. You could stand too, Faith, just because. Faith is nine, and she's my new friend. <laughs> thank you. September 26 through 28 is the marriage retreat, and it will be in Las Vegas. The presenters are the North American Division Family Ministries Directors, uh, Drs. Claudio and Pamela Consuegra. October 24-25 is the Youth Rally for Las Vegas, October 30, November 2, Men's Retreat, which will be in Reno. Everything else is here in Vegas. I want to recognize uh, Dr. Yvonne Lewis, who is here. Can you please just stand or wave your hand? Or thank you so much for being here with us today. Lastly, I'd like to bring you greetings from my family. My wife, Connie, who is in Berrien Springs, Michigan. She had been in Las Vegas the last two weekends with me. And now, now she won't be with me again for a while as I travel. As some of you know, Connie was really sick there for a while. They found a couple of tumors in her. She had to have some major surgery and there was a little stretch there where I was concerned. <laughs> you, you have heard me talk about my wife and you, you know how I feel about her. And that was like my kryptonite. I could deal with just about anything, but when Connie went down and when before her surgery, the doctor said there was a chance that she might not wake back up. I never felt so alone in that moment. And if, <laughs> I prayed like I never prayed before. Praise the Lord. Connie's able to be in Berrien Springs, Michigan, and she has recovered. And there's no trace of cancer in her body. And I, I am just so grateful. I, I, I don't even have words to describe how grateful I am to God for that. And I'm fortunate today to have my son with me. David Solomon Hall, Jr. You've heard me talk about him. Yes, he actually does exist. 
And I think he, he, he hadn't been here in a while, or he hadn't been anywhere in a while, because he was at Monterey Bay Academy. But he's graduated, and in a few months, he'll be starting his freshman year at La Sierra University. And we praise God for that. And his friend, Kenneth Dupree III, uh, rode down here with us. Kenny, are you in here? I see you, Kenny. Stand up, man. Stand up. You got on colorful clothes, too. Stand up so they can see you. Amen. The dynamic duo. They, for the entire 450-plus miles, they entertained me greatly, uh, <laughs> making me wish I was 18 and 19 again. Oh, well, maybe not. <laughs> but it was fun watching them. <laughs> And I also bring you greetings in addition to my cat, who I really do appreciate, because you got to meet him. He's incredible. My cat. He, he talks to me every day. Meow. That one word is so powerful. It has so many meanings. But I also bring you greetings from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Who I'm very fortunate and blessed week after week to represent, who I love so dearly. I bring you greetings from the Lord God Almighty. If you have your Bibles, I'm changing things up from what I had intended today. Second Chronicles, the 25th chapter. Second Chronicles 25. I just want to look at five verses, verses five to nine. Second Chronicles 25, verses five through nine. I'm going to read from the New King James Version. It reads, Moreover, Amaziah gathered Judah together and set over them captains of thousands and captains of hundreds according to their fathers' houses throughout all Judah and Benjamin. And he numbered them from 20 years old and above and found them to be 300,000 choice men able to go to war who could handle spear and shield. He also hired 120,000 mighty men of valor from Israel for 100 talents of silver. Verse 7, but a man of God came to him saying, O king, do not let the army of Israel go with you, for the Lord is not with Israel, not with any of the children of Ephraim. But if you go, be gone, be strong in battle. Even so, God shall make you fall before the enemy, for God has power to help and to overthrow. Verse 9, then Amaziah said to the man of God, but what shall I do about the hundred talents which I have given to the troops of Israel? The man of God answered, the Lord is able to give you much more than this. 
want you to pray with me as we talk briefly today, the God of more than enough. Let's pray. Now, God, our Father, it's time. You're already here. You've already, your presence has already been felt in so many ways. Now, Lord, it's, it's time for us to just sit back and hear a word from you. Do what you do best, Jesus. You know what our needs are, and you are the God who supplies our needs. So whatever the need is we have right now, we ask you to meet it. We ask you to speak to our hearts, minds, and souls in ways like we've never experienced so that when we leave this place, we'll know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we have had an experience with God. We ask these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. A man lived far out in the country. This was a while ago, and he, he, he bought his clothes from a mail-order catalog. At the bottom of the order form, he noticed, if we don't have what you ordered, may we have your permission to substitute it for something else. The first time he wrote, yes, in that box, they sent him something that was worth double the price of what he had requested. The company explained, we're sorry we don't have what you ordered, but we are sending you something better at our expense. After that, whenever he ordered anything, he would boldly, with underlines and arrows pointing towards it, put yes, and he knew that he would not be disappointed by whatever they substituted because that company had come through for him once in a big way. And now he had confidence in them that they would look out for him as a customer. It's easy to have confidence in things that we can see. It's easy to believe in something that you can see. If you were able, if you look in your, okay, well, maybe not mine, but if you looked in your wallet, you look in mine, hello, hello, hello. But if you looked in your wallet and you rolled up the Taco Bell and you had a $5 bill in there, you know you could get three burritos and something to drink for five. Trust me, you can. You could get three, <laughs> three of them and then something to drink. You know if you got money in your pocket, you confident that when you walk in there, you'll leave either with a little bag or a full stomach. Praise the Lord. You can have confidence if you see a sign up saying, coming soon. That whoever is building, whatever that building is, within a certain amount of time, it will get completed. And eventually, you'll be able to frequent that place. We had confidence on the drive here 
Praise God, David Jr. drove here. I, I, I love the fact that my son is 18 and he's had his license for a few years. And praise God for you, David, because your dad was tired. I know I laughed and talked. You look like you're tired now, but praise the Lord, you're 18. You'll bounce back quicker than I will at 44. Hallelujah for youth. I love them. So we're, we're riding, but we had confidence that there would be a rest stop in Hawthorne. There would be a place in Tonopah to stop at that Chevron. We could hit Beatty and, and get to that place where with those strange looking cartoon things on the wall with them on the toe. I never seen nothing like that. But you, but you can go there and get candy for those that eat candy. And I'm one. And you can go there and praise the Lord. And you can just enjoy Beatty. And then you hit Indian Springs. And then 45 minutes later. You see the bright lights? I know Dave was glad to see those lights. And we had confidence that we had reached Las Vegas. Our journey was over. It is easy once you have experienced, once you have seen something, to have confidence in it. Faith requires us to have confidence in something we can't see. And that's not always easy to do. Now, it's easy to sit in church and sing, we've come this far by faith. We can sing it, can march into it, can just believe all that stuff. But when life comes and knocks on your door and you got to write a paycheck from the wellspring of faith, it's not as easy as we make it out to be. Just ask King Amaziah. You first introduced to him in 2 Chronicles 25, 1 and 2. It says Amaziah was 25 years old when he became king. Now let's pause. How many of you remember when you were, those of you over 25, how many of you remember when you were 25? My Lord, my Lord, would you have been ready to be king or queen over anything? Now when I was 25, David Jr. was born. And I honestly thought, because I read books, how to be a good dad. I read all kind of volumes of this thing. I read how to be a good husband. I even read the Bible. I'm like, yeah, I got this covered. I was confident enough at 25 to say, I got this. I'm 44 years old now, and I realize I ain't know nothing at 25. It's a wonder he even grew up. How did this happen? <laughs> I didn't know the first thing about anything. And just imagine if, if, if I had become king. You know, I just can't wait to be king. I like the Lion King. You know, that's cool and all, but yeah, you can wait. 
Because being a grown man ain't all it's cracked up to be. Amaziah was 25 years old when he became king. And the responsibility on him was tremendous. But he saw what happened to his predecessors. So he made up his mind, we're going to do this God thing. Not because I love God, because I really don't. But everybody who disobeyed him got destroyed. I don't want to get destroyed. So we're going to grit our teeth and follow God if it kills us. All ten of them commandments, we're going to be faithful. He did that which was right, the Bible says, but not with a loyal heart. How miserable it must have been for Amaziah. He did the right thing, but not for the right reasons. It's almost like the little kids who, who, who did, or, or, or like back in our day, when, when you were little, and you did what your parents said, and you ask if you had the nerve, you'd ask why. And they say, because I said so. And that was good enough for you? You didn't need a thesaurus to go through all the explanations? Wasn't no stand in no corner anywhere. You better do it or else. And if you did, bam! Ooh, what was that? You were not where you were supposed to go. Life was so, <laughs> was so much, so much different than children uh, would obey just because they were afraid. How many of you know some of us just obey God? Because we're afraid. Afraid what's going to happen if we don't. Afraid what he's going to do to us. Well, I better do what he say, at least until I, if you're, you're a young person, at least until I take this test, I'll follow him up and then let me get my A or B or D minus just so I can get out of there. Praise the Lord and then. You know how we do? We, we like, Lord, if you do this for me, I promise I will never do that again. And we just waiting for him to, you know, he do it. Like, yeah, God, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I forgot what I said I wasn't going to do again, but I'll remember the next time I need you. Like you tell parents after you get a ticket, I'll never drive fast again. Not in your car. I will follow all the signs. I, will always, I won't even text and drive. <laughs> Till the next time. That's a miserable feeling to make promises that you know you're not going to keep just because you're scared of the situation. And Amaziah had been taught about the judgment of God, and he had seen it into play. So he did that which was right 
on the outside, but inside, he's miserable. I think there are Christians today who are like that. They may do the right thing, but they some of the, excuse how I say this, they some of the ugliest people you ever seen roll up on you every Sabbath. <laughs> like, yo, what's up with you? Jesus loves you and so do I. No, they lying. They can't stand. You heard what they said about you in that last meeting. But they, God loves you. <laughs> Wish I could grab your neck. And... <laughs> but they do, <laughs> they do the thing. But the ugliness, it, it, it shows. And it's almost like they're hiding something. And the kids can see right through it. And then we wonder why children leave when they hear so many strange things when they're at home and they see the complete opposite when they go to church. King Amaziah did what was right, but he resented it. And then we get to our text for the day. They're at war against Edom. He gathered all his people together, 300,000 choice men, men who could handle a spear and a shield. He got the best of the best. He went and got some more people. He paid some big bucks for this. Hired 100,000 mighty men of valor for Israel, from Israel for 100 talents of silver. One talent, get this, one talent of silver was equivalent to nine years of work. 100 talents are equal to 900 years of work. Just say the average person made uh, $30,000, multiply that by nine, $270,000 for one talent, i.e. 100 talents would equal then $27 million. Now let's, 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 let's just let that sink in. He put out $27 million dollars hiring these soldiers to come and help him fight. He, it's like going to the store and buying something and then suddenly you told you got the wrong thing and it's no refund on it and you just out of luck. He had his stuff paid his money, we go into war, and a man of God show up and say, why you got these soldiers? You want to go with them? Fine. The Lord's not going to be with you, and you're going to be defeated. Because the Lord fights your battles. What you doing hiring people anyway? You got God, the prophet said. And, 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 and the king was like, so, you know, that's all good. But uh, <laughs> Mr. Prophet, <laughs> let me explain something to you. They already paid for. <laughs> I gave these brothers $27 million. <laughs> now you telling me 
that the Lord want me to send? Can I get a refund? <laughs> Can they give me my money? He want me to let them keep the money and send them back home so I paid them for nothing? The prophet was like, yep. Thus saith the Lord. <laughs> and King Amaziah was like, yo. <laughs> yo. This is nonsense. This is nonsense. You want me to do what? Pause. They prayed and asked the Lord, what do you want us to do? The Lord told them. How many of you know sometimes we pray and ask the Lord what we should do? And we don't want to hear what it is that he say. The Lord will tell us to step out in faith. We're like, okay, what, what, what else do you want us to do? Because that would don't sound too good. We pray stuff and we really, really don't believe it's going to happen. There's a story about in a small town. It was one of those towns where there was no, quote, bad places, no liquor stores, no crime. It was just a beautiful town. The white picket fence, apple trees in the yard. It was just perfect. A pony for every little girl. And after several years, a nightclub was built in the town. This congregation was worried. Oh no, sin has come to our town. And so they, <laughs> they asked God specifically to burn this nightclub to the ground. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, a few days later, it started thundering and lightning. They had a bad storm. Lightning struck the building and burned it to the ground. The owner was not pleased. So he took the church to court and sued them for damages because they had prayed that his building would burn to the ground. And the lawyer claimed their prayers caused the loss. The church, however, hired their own lawyer and fought the charges. After many hearings and much deliberation, the judge declared, it is the opinion of this court that wherever the guilt may lie, the nightclub owner is the only one here who really believes in prayer. really believe God when we ask him to do something that he will do it. And there's reasons why God don't give some of us what we want. God gave some of us a million dollars. We lose our mind. I mean, pause. I'd like just once to experiment, just to see if I'd lose my mind tonight. <laughs> just, just, you can test me, oh Lord, and see. 
<laughs> and if I look like I'm just taking away, but trust me, let me pay my bills first, then take it away. <laughs> but if God gave some of us a million dollars, or a couple of, if some of us signed one of those contracts, like Chris Bosch signed, when he re-signed with the Heat because he think he can be the man now, we'll see. Somebody laughed, they don't believe in Bosch. Somebody signed us or like Carmelo for a ton. We'd act a fool. Some of us, when we get a little position, we act different. When we get a little title, we act different. When we get a new job, we act different. When we get married, <laughs> we act different. Whenever something really good happens, and that's something that has always bothered me. It's always bothered me. I was, I was in Pennsylvania. This was November 1994. And, 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 and I, I think I may have told this story here, but it, it happened, so I can tell it again. It's still true. I was driving my car. I had an old car. And I pulled up in Walmart, because it's Walmart. Yeah. So I roll up in the Walmart. I get what I go there to get. And I get in my car and I noticed smoke coming from my car under the hood. I said, alas, there is smoke coming from under my hood. <laughs> that ain't what I said. And I, so I, I lifted up the hood, you know, and there are flames. Your birthday is tomorrow. Happy birthday. All right. There were flames coming from under my, I said, Oh, you don't need. I just looked at it and said, wow, my car is on fire. Now, I noticed on TV, because, you know, you watch those things, whenever cars are on fire, they blow up. So the Lord didn't even advise me to get away from the car. Common sense did. And I, I closed the hood, and I ran. <laughs> it didn't blow up, praise the Lord. The fire department got there, psh, put my car out. I was happy, but then it dawned on me, I'm 12 miles from home. So I took all my stuff back in Walmart because I wasn't going to walk with all that, get my money back because I was going to need it. Now how am I going to get home? Finally, somebody gave me a ride. Six days later, I go to the car dealership. I'm just going because my boy, he's like, David, go. So he took me. We rolled up there and car dealership. Next thing I know, Jesus gave me a car off, I don't know what you call it, the, the truck thing where they all in different places, you know, they backed one off of that and said, you don't have to pay nothing for 90 days. So I just drove off with my broke self in my car that was on fire. I drove off in a new car that had like five miles total on it. You talk about praising God. I was just driving, you know, and I pulled up the next day into work. 
because that's what you do. You got to drive to work. So I rolled up in there, and only I rolled up in a new car, you know, and I got out, and I was just acting the same because I was still kind of ashamed. My car caught on fire in the first place. So I wasn't acting. And cats came out of there, and they looked and said, you got a new car. I wasn't being sarcastic, but I looked at the car and looked at them and said, yep. <laughs> you got a new car. It's like, yeah. You know, my other one caught on fire. Next day, my boss pulled up with a new car. Then the one that was two over me, he pulled up the next week with a new car. He said, we can't have you with a new car and we don't have a car. You can't be rolling up like this. And we, I said, nah, this isn't the craziest thing. Y'all gonna go into debt just a, a little nobody, nothing like me. You gotta show me up. The craziest thing. But when people are in certain positions, you ever notice how they change on you? They start acting funny. Act like they don't know you. Amaziah didn't really believe all that God stuff. When he became king, he did what he had to do. But when you're under pressure, the real you comes out. You can hide whatever it is you hide, but if you nailing something on the wall, you know, and you hit your thumb, nine times out of nine, you, you, if you are accustomed to a certain way, you are not gonna say, ah, Eureka, I have hit my thumb with a hammer. Boy, that hurts. I need to pray that it will get better. You driving down the road and somebody yell out the window at you or something and, and, and just wave at you with one finger. Sometimes the old man of sin come out and before you can catch it, you could have you realize you got little kids in the car with you. And you're like, <laughs> now that's just an example of what you aren't supposed to do. I just did that as a, t a lesson for you. Amaziah, the truth came out when that $27 million was thrown away. And then the man of God said, the Lord is able to give you much more than this. Now, just, just, just walk with me. I'm about to sit down. $27 million. The Lord is able to give you much more than this. My question for you today is what do you want? What do you want from God? 
says, now unto him who is able to give you exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ever ask or think, what would you ask the God of much more? If he were right here, right now. The good elder Brown said to say your things out loud so God, as a symbol to show God what it is you needed. And God, uh, it draws closer to his people on the Sabbath day. But let's go along with that. If you could ask God for anything, and you really believed he would do it, what would you ask him for? Did you ask him for enough money to pay your bills? <laughs> yeah. Would you ask him for a healthy family? Would you ask him for long life? Would you ask him, Lord, give our church the ability to take Las Vegas over for you? Would you ask him for a closer relationship with him? The next thing I want to ask you is, are the things that you would want, are your goals me-oriented or God-oriented? That's what I want you to do. I want you to set a God-oriented goal. One that's in accordance to his will for your life. The Lord spares your life and you wake up after you fall asleep. I want you to ask God in your first moment of cognition, what is your will for me today? What do you want from me today? My wife is in Michigan. Praise the Lord. Not that I don't want to be around her, but she has this list of things for me to do. And when she at the house, it's like I don't have nothing else to do but do this list. So she gone. I ain't worrying about that list. Praise the Lord. I'm not. I know when she coming back, so I know what to do. I'm picking, you know, I pick up from the airport. I know when to get everything right. Hallelujah, just like I did when I was a kid. But she got this new thing now. She, she called me and say, so what are you doing? And I can't lie, because I'm not that quick on my feet. So I, I just say I'm working. Sometimes I'm working on having fun. Sometimes I'm working on doing nothing. Sometimes I'm working on sleeping. You know, but I'm, I'm working. I'm always working. Praise the Lord. And it don't matter. This morning she was, she, she called me, you know, and, I, and, and she, what are you doing? I said, I'm reviewing for my sermon, so I'm trying to concentrate. That's nice. And she talked to me for 90 minutes. 
So I could tell you a lot about her conversation with me, and I'm wondering, what am I doing? She tells me what her will is for me for today. And I he said, amen. And I follow through on that thing. 21 years I've been doing this and then doing it right. That's why she keeps me, I guess. You know, I, I, I know whatever makes her happy will make me happy. Whatever will make God happy will make me happy because he has my best interest at heart. Ask God, what is your will for me today? Not because of what I can get out of it, but just because I love you so much, I want to do what you want me to do today. Now, when you do what God, when you do what God wants you to do, sometimes you may be unappreciated, underappreciated. Sometimes people may pile more and more and more and more on you to do, and you got to smile and take it. Sometimes... Realize you can't satisfy everybody. But your task is, what do you want for me to do today, Lord? And if I satisfy God, that's enough. That's enough. That is enough. If she not happy, I am so sorry. Take it up with God. I'm doing what he wanted me to do today. If they mad, I'm sorry. But this is what God wants me to do today. And after you've been through the battle, yeah, you might be broken and bruised. It's like fighting Mike Tyson back in the day. You knew you had fought him when you get out the ring. Even those few that beat him, they felt a little something. Some of them even had body parts missing. <laughs> so you may be a little broken and bruised but you know, hmm. it's been the hardest year of my life. I had open heart surgery 2011. I was supposed to die, I didn't, thank you God. I was quite pleased about that, the not dying part. And I thought that was tough. My wife calls me and she crying. Her mom's in a coma. I'm like, what? Just from out of the blue. You know, she called me, oh, my mom and this and this. 
And she said, David, I got to get there to see her. And I looked at, you know, the bank account, and I, I looked and I saw how much plane tickets, and I looked in Philadelphia, and I live in Reno, and you don't just hop in the car. <laughs> Talk to the Lord. He made a way. She rolled, you know, she's there with her mom for a couple of months. Her mom had, had like two strokes. Her kidneys shut down. She, she, she had to get on a, a, a dialysis, yeah. She got some other disease. I don't even know what you call it. But she, she, she went from being this vibrant woman, my mother-in-law, who would, like her daughter, tell me what to do. <laughs> to a shell of what she was. And we thought, she was 79 last year, we thought, because the doctor said, That was hard, because there was nothing I could do. My wife is my life. She's the joy of my band. And to see her broken like that, there was nothing. I, I'm her husband. I'm supposed to make it all better. And I couldn't do a thing. Then I'm in New Zealand getting ready to preach for camp meeting. I'm in Rotorua, New Zealand. I'm walking down to the tent to preach. First sermon, first night, I had my phone. But no, who's going to call? I'm in New Zealand. You know how much that is? A minute? Nobody better not call me. But I looked and it say Connie Hall. And her picture come up. I'm like, what? Maybe she calling to pray with me. So I picked it up. Because I really, before I preach, I don't, but I picked it up. I'm, hello? And I'm trying to, you know, no, it's like $2 some a minute. I'm, hello? Yes. Yes, I'm getting ready to preach. That was my prelude to mean let's talk fast so I can... And then she told me that she went to the doctor and they found all these tumors in her and she's scared and I'm walking down to preach and I'm in New Zealand and that's another country that's like far away and there is nothing I can do. And there's a tent full of people waiting for me to talk about how good God is. And in that, in that moment, my heart sunk as low as it could get. First, her mother, now her, and she's scared, and I'm gone for two weeks. Not like I could just hop on the plane and go back. What do you do? When the world comes crashing down around you, what do you do when everything that you know, everything you believe in, everything you have trusted in, everything you have sung about, everything you have promoted, everything that you have, fill in your own blank. What do you do 
when all hell breaks loose and there's nothing you can do. And then somebody tells you about the God of more than enough. He'll supply your needs. When you're in the midst of it, sometimes you like, if, <laughs> if you hadn't caused the problem, I wouldn't need deliverance from it. Why you even let it happen? Amaziah was mad. It's like if you knew that you were going to send this prophet here, why you let me spend that 27 million? You couldn't have told me about five minutes earlier. Sometimes God has a strange timetable with how we do things. What I have discovered was April 22nd, last story, April 22nd this year. I prayed with Connie, put her to sleep. I didn't see that part because I'd left. And the operation was only supposed to take about an hour and a half. Two hours later, I hadn't heard nothing. Three hours. Somebody came out, the doctor will be out soon. It's taking a little longer than we anticipated. But don't worry, don't worry. But I saw in her eyes, you need to be worrying. But she's, don't worry. I said, so what's going on? Oh, the doctor will, the doctor will tell you. That means I can't tell you because it's bad. I said, oh, Jesus. Four hours go by. And then Doc rolls out, the surgeon, and he is looking at the ground, walking like this, like he got the weight of the world on his shoulders. And all I could think of was don't cry in front of this man. That was the thought. All I was thinking of was, God, you got to give me strength. Because I got to keep going on for you. I love you no matter what he says. And, and Lord, I want to love you no matter what he says. I, I, I know how I feel about But I, I want to love you no matter what he says. And he looks at. I tried to give him the hardest look I could. I'm a brother. <laughs> yeah. I just felt him coming, though. And he looked at me and he said, it took a little longer than we thought, but your wife's fine. She's in recovery. Good deal. And he walked away. I just, I said, well, thank you, doctor. And as soon as he was out of sight, yeah! I felt bad for everybody else in the room who hadn't heard yet, but I heard, so I ain't worried about them. I was, yeah! My wife's gonna be okay. You may be going through, you may be going through something right now. 
I don't know what your situation is. I, I, I don't know how your story's going to end. But I know this. If God began a good work in you, he's going to see it to the end. God is good no matter who, what happens. I learned Psalm 34 verse 1 says, I will praise the Lord no matter what happens. I will constantly speak of his glories and his grace. And when you told Jesus, when you talk about something you love, when you think about something, you it just does something for you. When you start thinking about how good God is. No matter what you're going through. My heart's still bad. They fixed it, but I got problems with it. But God ain't bad. God is good. And with every breath I have, I'm going to praise the Lord. Matter of fact, when I breathe in and breathe out, it's saying, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. David Jr., when our car window was broken, we had to stick socks in it because to keep it from, and we didn't have air conditioning, and we just cook it in there. Praise God in the hot car. Praise God in the hot car. When we let the window down by mistake, and like, oh no, and it took a year and a life. Praise God. Praise God. When, we were, when you were taking your final exams and you had chemistry and algebra too, praise God. Praise God. And when I saw your report, God, I was really, praise God, he fast. Praise God, he fast. <laughs> when they said he needed the money, you got a son. And, and he had to, in order for him to graduate, they needed a little something from me. Actually, it was a four-digited something from me. And I was like, Jesus, <laughs> give me one of them bricks from the streets of gold. And when I was wondering how was it going to happen up until they said you have till 8 o'clock, Lord came through at 7.52 in the morning. But leading, oh, leading up to it, it was praise God, praise God, praise God in the midst of your circumstance. Praise him when things are going good. Praise him when they're not going good because he know what he's doing. Amaziah didn't get that. that, and it led to his demise. He was more worried about money than he was about doing the Lord's will. Don't be like Amaziah. I got to sit down. $27 million. God can give you so much more than that. The wealth of heaven, <laughs> much more than that. Eternal life, it's more than 27 million. Being reunited with somebody you lost. Doesn't have to be the way it was with Amaziah with us because we know the God of much more. Who is this God? 
He tells us his name in Exodus 3. Exodus 3, 13 and 14. Moses asked God a question. What is your name? And for the first time in the history of mankind, God told somebody his name. He said, my name is I am. <laughs> 